What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Carbonite Convos. If this is your first time joining us, you have just taken your first step into a larger world. And if you're a returning listener, like always, we really appreciate the support. This is episode 27 of the Carbonite Convos podcast. Uh, we're recording it today on February 9th, 2021. And once again, I'm joined by Alec Par- Porterfield. Guys, how we doing? And joining us today is a very special guest. You might recognize her from projects like Supernatural, The Mentalist, and you might recognize her voice from Castlevania. But if you're listening to this show, most likely you know her as the armorer from The Mandalorian. Uh, so we're joined today by Miss Emily Swallow. Uh, hey. First off, yeah, first off, Emily, just want to say thank you so much for joining us. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Yes, ma'am. Glad to have you here. Definitely. You're our first uh, big time guest. So we're, we're definitely very excited to have you on. I'll try to act like it. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. I know, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, we want to be respectful of your time. So we'll just jump right into some questions that Alec and I had, if you're good with it. Yeah, definitely. All right. So um, starting off as the armorer, you play such an intriguing and mysterious character. But outside of your work in Star Wars, you're also a very esteemed actress and Broadway performer. So I'd love to know how you got into the entertainment business as a whole and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, I didn't. I'm not one of those people who always knew that I wanted to be an actor, although a lot of people in my life would tell you that they weren't surprised that it's what I did because um, I loved performing from an early age. And my way into performing was music. I sang a lot when I was younger, like in the church choir and then doing musicals in middle school and high school. But I was just interested in so many things. And so I did not like hone in on acting and know that that was what I wanted to do. But um but I loved it. And so I just kept doing it when I could. And when I was in college at University of Virginia, I was really involved in the drama department, but it was great because you didn't have to be a drama major to be involved. So I was a Middle Eastern studies foreign affairs major, and I totally thought I was going to go into the state department, work in the foreign service. Um, And then during my last year of undergrad, I had a really wonderful acting teacher who saw how much I loved it. And he, he finally just like put that question in my ear. He, he said, have you thought about doing this professionally? Do you want to? And, and um, I think I just wasn't really brave enough prior to that to admit <laughs> that I wanted to. And then, but having his encouragement um, was so helpful. And then I worked on, I knew I, I wanted to have more training. And so I auditioned for some different training programs and had like a dozen monologues that I could do just at the drop of a hat because you kind of have to be prepared with anything and everything for these auditions. Anything so Star Wars I, in there? I'm sorry? Anything Star Wars in there? No, <laughs> it's all, all theater stuff. There you go. I, I got yeah. Um, But I, I got into NYU and got my MFA in acting and, and I've just, I've never looked back. I've had wonderful doors open for me enough that it's worth it even when you know, there's been plenty of time when I sit there just banging my head against a wall wondering, you know, when the next job opportunity is going to come because you you audition. Most of the things that I audition for, I don't get. So it's it's a, a profession that is full of rejection and you have to really love it and really know why you want to do it, I think, to to make it worth it. Otherwise, um, 
it's just not. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And if, if we can compare that to anything uh, that we do right now, it's kind of similar to you put all this work into making a video, you put it out and three people see it. And that's yeah. where you really have to dig in, um, you know, inside and just remember why you're doing it. Uh, you're doing something that you love. And I think that's, that's pretty incredible. And especially doing something where I think of a very minor uh, percentage actually succeed in it. So definitely getting to where you are today. It's very impressive. That's absolutely incredible. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I count my blessings for sure. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, so how exactly did you get involved with star Wars? Like did, did they call you or did you seek them out? How did that work? <laughs> I did not seek them out. Uh, okay. I think, um, no, I mean, and, and I don't mean because I wouldn't have wanted to. I just mean the idea of that is insane to me that like me, one of, you know, a gajillion actors would be like, hey, you guys want to use me? Yeah, um, right. No, the audition came along just like any other one. And it, it was so not a big deal because I, I've never been involved in anything as secretive as The Mandalorian. Yeah. And so when I was auditioning for it, I really didn't know what it was. I knew it might have something to do with Star Wars, but even that they were really tight lipped about. And um, the audition was remarkably low key considering what the Mandalorian became. I, I knew that I was auditioning for a character who would be um, masked. And I knew that she was the leader of a group of people. And it said that she was, very Zen-like, and that was basically it. Um, and I had these scenes, one of which I now know is very similar to um, the scene in season one in uh, chapter three, when the then Din Djarin and the other Mandalorians start to fight and she sort of calms things down. Yeah, that, right. What I remember, that was one of my scenes, but I, I knew so little about it. And so there was a great freedom going into it. I didn't really stress about it because... I didn't know if it was a big deal or not. I didn't know if, you know, it seemed really unimportant, which was great. Yeah. Because it meant I didn't have a chance to get nervous about it. Um, and there was nobody from the production in the room. It was just me and the casting associate. And he put me on tape and he did ask me, after I'd done all the scenes once, he asked me to do it with a, a British dialect because they'd mostly been seeing British actors. Mm -hmm. So I did that and, and, that stuck. That's sort of how the armorer's voice came to be. Cause I think John said he liked that. It sort of set her apart from everyone else. And, um, and I do think like it, it adds a, just a little bit of mystery. I like it for her. Um, oh, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, that's how I got cast. And then from there, like I started to learn little by little by little. And I, I got my first hint that I might be involved with something that was ridiculously amazing when I saw, my costume as they were building it. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, again, like I went and had these costume fittings, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. And when they showed me um, exactly what that was, it, it just took my breath away. So I kept getting these little bits and pieces of information. And then by the time I finally got to set and was properly overwhelmed, um, I had already uh, saturated myself in the idea of what I was doing and, you know, done all my work and done all my research so I could just kind of play. And, and it is, it was such a, a welcoming, playful set. There was so little ego, so much collaboration. It's really one of the, the loveliest sets that, that I've ever gotten to work on. So that, that was a relief. No, that's, that's so great. good to hear that. I mean, as a fan, that makes me so happy to know like the, the process of 
uh, being that character was one that was enjoyable. Um, with, with that being said, uh, Emily, were you a Star Wars fan at all be- before you uh, reprised this role? Or was that something that you kind of fell into after the fact? Oh, I definitely was, but I did not realize how little I knew. Um, <laughs> right. I, mean, I, I grew up with Star Wars. I, when I was a kid, I would play, you know, Ewok adventures in my backyard and wow. I wanted to be Princess Leia. And I was born, I guess, while the first three movies were coming out. Um, so it was just always part of my childhood. Like I never, I never knew life without it. Um, and I, I kept up with the movies as the the prequels came out and then the 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 last three movies. But I I had never seen any of the animated series. I had not dipped into that world yet. So it's really been thrilling um, in being involved with it to to see like just how far reaching all these tentacles are and how many stories there are in this universe. Uh-huh. It's been really fun. Definitely. And I think we're just, we're at the very beginning still after 50, 50 ish years, it seems like they're just kicking it up now with 10 new projects being announced. It's amazing. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. So, um, going back to the set, uh, you know, you work pretty closely with some of our favorite directors and producers with, you know, Dave Filoni pretty much being the next George Lucas and uh, John Favreau being that pioneer of this new film technology. What was it like working with those two? It was incredible. And, and one of the things that was the most incredible was just how completely approachable and gracious they are because yeah. they're brilliant I mean, I feel like John Favreau is probably always the smartest person in the room, but <laughs> he does not act like it at all. He's so interested in other people. And I think that's part of the reason that he is so successful as well as he's smart enough to know that when he has a big group of talented people together, it's really worth trying to get them to play to the top of their ability and to all of their unique talents. And um he was just so it really struck me how he was able to create this very cohesive community from these directors who had such different skill sets um, and such unique styles. And he really encouraged them to use their their unique styles, but also just made sure that everybody was on the same page in terms of the story we were telling and the style of the story and so he kind of got the best of both worlds. You know, everybody was putting their best efforts into creating this unified thing, but they were also bringing all of these beautiful, unique things that they have. And Dave, I mean, thank God for Dave, because if you ever had a question about the accuracy of anything or the history of something or, you know, how, how a Mandalorian should, would, could do something, he was right there with the answer. That's and, awesome. um, and both of them just work with such joy and you can tell that they love what they do and they love the people around them. And it, it's infectious. I think it just created such a, an exciting and playful and collaborative work environment. That's, that's great. And I know that George happens to stop by um, the sets somewhat frequently. Did you ever, were you ever able to meet George Lucas? I was there one of the days, I think he came by on John's birthday. Okay. And, uh, and it was pretty awesome to, yeah. to stand there and he was sort of holding court and he was telling stories and it just blew my mind to think like this man against all odds, because he got so much yeah. pushback, he created this universe 40 odd years ago 
and it's still going. And I just wonder what it must be like to be him and to walk onto a set to see his stories continue to be told with all this new technology and, um, you know, all, all these people who are so excited about it. it it's it's got to be a pretty good feeling. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. That, that Again, that's so incredible to hear. That, that must have been an absolutely incredible experience to be a part of. Um, but with that being said as well, uh, do you have like a favorite moment or maybe the thing you are most excited about being a part of The Mandalorian? Um, man, so many moments. But I think for me, the most exciting... The most exciting uh, kind of day I remember was towards the beginning because it was it was the you know I, I had been doing all this prep on my own and sort of guessing at a lot of things and and drawing from what I thought would be helpful in preparing to play this this warrior and this character who is masked and um and I I have a, a theater background and I had done mask work in theater and that was incredibly helpful to know you know, cause when you can't rely on your face, you people's eye is much more drawn to your body. And so you have to be very deliberate about the movements you're making or the movements you're not making. Um, so I'd had some good practice for that, but it was so much fun. We were doing episodes one and three at the same time. And they were the first episodes to be shot and getting to just experiment with the feedback from Dave Filoni, who was directing one of them and, and Deborah Chow, who's directing the other one. Um, as those of us who were in these, you know, in these suits of armor and these helmets, as we were trying things and getting feedback and sort of finding the language of these people, the, the physical language of these people and how they communicate, especially um, given the constraints that you have when something is on camera. Because when you watch when you watch a masked character in a theater piece, you get to see their whole body. So the whole time you're getting to see them, you're seeing how they relate to the other characters, you're getting a lot of information at once. But when you have the camera focusing just on, you know, maybe this much of my face or, you know, another character's like the back of their head or you, and you're cutting from person to person, you're just not seeing as much at once. And so as an actor, oh. it, it was such an interesting challenge to try to communicate what needed to be communicated given all of those um, constraints in that framework. And then it was so exciting, you know, to find what did work and to start to dig deeper into that and to just play. Definitely. And what do you think were some of those, because one of the things I was originally going to ask was what it was like um, playing a character where pretty much everything about them, you have to get from their voice or their movement. You answered some of that in that last question, but is there maybe anything diff you do differently to prepare for a role where you're using more of your voice, more of your uh, body language, as opposed to um, your other work where you can use your, your face? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I, no matter what character I'm working on, um, I have to find that character in my body, regardless of, of what's going on in my face. It's such a huge part of it. So, I mean, it, 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 it's funny because I, I recognize in looking at it that it's a very different thing, but in preparing for it, it didn't feel that different because I still needed to understand who this woman was like in my entire body. Yeah. I never work on a character and just think about like what they look like from the neck up. Um, but it was very helpful for me to have, I, I talked to John um, only a couple of days before we started shooting. That was the first time I really got to sit down and talk to him. Um, and he gave me the reference of uh, uh, Kurosawa 
and okay. some of the like Seven Samurai, some of those films, which was also something that Lucas had drawn from. Mm-hmm. And that was really helpful. I like having images that I can look at and I like, you know, watching an image and, and I would like, you know, I put on, I'd seen the movie before, but I put it on and sort of just practiced moving like some of those characters. And that helped me start to sort of build a vocabulary for her so that then when I got to set, I could just sort of try out some of the different things that I had picked up from watching and feeling it out and see what worked and what didn't. And, um, and it, it was, you know, looking back now, I think it's, it's pretty remarkable that I felt like there was the time to do that. I didn't feel rushed in trying to hone in on her immediately. It wasn't like we had luxurious amounts of time, but I think everyone knew that it was really important to be very specific about, about communicating as, as these Mandalorians. And so it was important that we all really feel comfortable in the way that we were moving um, and finding that vocabulary physically. That whole process sounds really interesting. Um, Going back to your character uh, just a little bit. So we don't know too much about her uh, and that being the general fan. Uh, We know she's a, like a very talented blacksmith and we know she's obviously a fierce warrior. She was very much able to handle her own. Uh, What's one thing about the character that that made it really interesting to play or uh, that kind of attracted her towards you? Um, well, I have to tell you that since I've done it, I've learned way more about her than I ever knew while playing her because the fans tell me so much about the history that I, uh, and you know, how things connect that I didn't know at first. Um, but one of the, one of the things that was most interesting for me in playing her was, was, uh, it's such a simple thing, but her stillness, I, in real life. I'm a very animated person. I use my hands a lot. I'm always on the move. And so stepping into this woman who I realized a lot of her power came from this very patient, calm steadiness and just sort of taking everything in, but not reacting much. Um, And so that was something that was really interesting to me to explore, mostly because it's so different for me. But I don't think there's anything I could tell you about because partly because I truly know I was told so little about her background and like your guess is as good as mine as to (laughs) where specifically she comes from and who she's connected to. I think that we will all find that out together. Um, So there's, there's definitely not any details that they told me that, that you guys don't already know. Um, They kind of just let me build on my, my instinct and my intuition and, and who knows how much they had even decided at the beginning um, and how much more we'll find out. I think it's, I think with some of the characters, they kind of knew at the beginning exactly where they wanted them to go. Yeah. But I know with the armorer originally, um, she was supposed to die in that fight. John told me this, uh, I guess while we were, while we were shooting, he was like, Hey, you know what? Um, just so you know, this was going to happen a different way and she was going to sacrifice herself. And then that was going to be the end of her. And and then he he said he decided you know why can't she just live and I was like oh thank you thank you thank you <laughs> yeah that's all and going off of that do you know of you know any plans to bring the armor back into either the Mandalorian or any future projects where you can reprise your role as as her I know nothing I'm uh, old I'm yeah old very little I'm not allowed to say anything so no, I got you. <laughs> I got you. And we definitely want to be respectful of your time. We just have one final question. It, it, it's yeah, it's kind of more of a rumor. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but um, have you seen any of the rumors uh, 
kind of circling around the internet that you played a character in Clone Wars. I have seen that and I have no idea. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because my question was going to be, did you play that character? So if you have no idea, then... Oh, you mean me as an actor? Yes, ma'am. Or you mean like, oh, oh, like, yeah, your, no, your I don't voice. know what you're talking about. Okay, no, okay. I, I didn't do anything in Clone Wars. Gotcha. I thought you meant, because, you know, there's been some speculation from people about where they think maybe they saw the armor yeah. and other... Um, no, I, I have not done anything in Clone Wars. Okay, gotcha. Because I, I know um, in preparing for the interview, I, I hadn't seen it before then that there was an episode in the Clone Wars in Season 7, Episode 7, that uh, next to Bo-Katan, there's two Mandalorians and one is a female and her voice is... it resembles yours pretty pretty strikingly. It was pretty, it was huh. pretty crazy. And they didn't... We didn't know if it was a coincidence that they didn't... Um, credit anybody for playing her voice in the show so oh, figured, interesting. You know, now i have to maybe. go watch it yeah definitely definitely but um, again we want to be respectful of your time emily so we again we just want to thank you so much for joining us today it was My an pleasure. Ab- it was really good to talk to you guys definitely it, it was our pleasure having you on you definitely gave us more insight than we ever thought we would have on this character and you're you're welcome back anytime well thank you yes ma'am yes ma'am um, alec do you have anything bef- before we go no, same thing. Emily, thank you so much for, for coming on and being a part of this. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. And I know I had a, I had a great time doing it. So um, thank you again. Thank you. You guys are awesome. I feel very welcome. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And for those of you watching at home, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode of the Carbonite Combos podcast. You can check out our next Funko Friday coming out, uh, obviously, this Friday. This episode will premiere on Thursday afternoon, so you can check those out tomorrow. But until then, guys, may the force be with you. This is the way.